0: So part of what we do uh, every Sunday here is um, we come and we, we sing and um, reflect on God. We also come together to learn and encourage uh, each other to, to grow and to do better. And, so, um, and we do that through looking uh, at scripture and what that teaches us. And so uh, before we finish up this morning, uh, I'm just going to share... A short thought that's part of our series that we've been doing for um, a number of weeks on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I know that this might not even be a familiar space uh, for all of you. Um, and, and maybe you've, uh, you know, being in church is something new or um, the Bible is something that you're unfamiliar with um, and if you'd like to learn more, we'd, uh, we're happy to talk, uh, talk with you about that afterwards. Um, we're reading from a part of the Bible that's in the New Testament, um, so which is the part of the Bible that is recording the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and uh, the church that comes out of, uh, of that time. And uh, we're in Matthew's Gospel, And in chapter 6, we're in this part of the Gospels that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Um, This is a summary of the teachings of Jesus. Um, It's probably a collection of all the things that Jesus taught wherever he would go. So it's not that Jesus just said this once, but um, Matthew Collects the teachings of Jesus into five passages of teaching um, to tell the people that he's writing to that this is like their first set of teaching that came in five books. And so um, this is the first set of teaching. Um, and so, first, you'd maybe imagine that it'd be pretty important. Um, this is really something that is the foundation of what Jesus teaches. Um, Everything kind of sits on top of this. And the last chapter um, I gave uh, or have been summarising since we taught on it as this, here are all the ways that we might be divided, that we might be separated from each other. Here are all the different things that we can do that harm each other And here's how to put that right. And then here's what to do when you are already divided. And it talks about reconciliation. It talks about how to react when people treat you badly. And then it always um, starts, or so much of Jesus' teaching starts with saying, if we were to look at anything with two sides... Where Jesus says, "We should be found is on the side of the one who's suffering or struggling. Um, if you've ever heard the word the Beatitudes," it starts with that set of teaching: um, The blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness." It talks about God being with those. That if there is division, he's with those that are suffering. Not to be against those who aren't, but to invite those who aren't into a better way. And so we get to this part where he's talking about how we're to be a people who can do that. Because that sounds pretty impossible. You know, you start to think of all the great people in history that have affected change in the world... You start to think, I don't know if, you know, this is a pretty big call, something um, that sounds great, but does it work in the real world? And so this next chapter is how. And it talks about how not to, because they had all sorts of ideas on how to do the right thing. He's particularly speaking to a group who are probably the religious identities, the religious um, leaders of the time, those that had power in that institution. And so he's saying, here's how you think you do it, but this is how I say you do it. And so we're here in, starting from chapter uh, 6, verse 5, where it says... When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. That's kind of like their religious building. Um, The group that he's speaking to are Jewish, so synagogues was their church. They like to... Pray standing on street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We sang some of those words this morning. We'll sing some more um, in the last song that we share after the service. You might have heard this before, called the Lord's Prayer. I want to talk this morning about the idea of prayer. It's a word that you might be familiar with. If you're not, uh, or maybe you've heard the word but you don't really know what it means, you're probably in good company. I could probably ask everyone here, and I feel like those who've been in church a hundred years or less might have probably similar answers or lack thereof uh, as those who are new here today. Because we have this idea that prayer is somewhat a communication between us and God, but I think for some of us it's a pretty foreign concept. I mean, I'm sure you're all thinking of something right now that prayer means or what you would imagine it means. When I started to look at what this teaching was about, I thought, hey, maybe it's important to have a look at what this word means. This is actually um, not a word that you would use outside of the context of talking to god or in some kind of spirituality and so i was like what does this mean Um, one way to do that and i'm not going to give you an entire greek lesson but if you quest you know if you've got more questions maybe we can sit over lunch and i can give you the greek working on this but the word is actually um a combination of two words in greek um, and I'm also not going to attempt to pronounce it very well, but I'll give you the two separate words, pros or pro, and uh, it is ukamai So um, pros meaning toward or to, so pro, for, with. So if you say the pros and the cons, or I'm pro environmental action, Uh, You know, you understand what that kind of word means. You might be a little more unfamiliar. But it means uh, what we would see in here, the word prayer, it actually means uh, to understand the way of, the will, the wishes. um, And in some places where it says, you know, uh, it's talking about two leaders or something in the Bible. It says his wishes were made known. That's the word that's used. Uh, And so it's not actually talking about a type of communication. It's actually talking about what's being communicated. And so while we talk about prayer, and I think... I certainly thought this when I first was in church, when I was taught to pray, it would be like the genie idea of God, you know, if you say the right thing and ask him for the right thing, you get the right thing, you know. Um, if I ask God for something, God does that, as if, you know, God has this ability to do all the good things, but he's just kind of like playing a game with us where we have to ask him. Um, I think the hardest thing is when something is like 90% there but still entirely misses the point. Um, And so there's a really important part, um, uh, passage of Scripture that talks about prayer that actually talks about when you pray according to the will of God, like an attempt to actually teach us about this. That it was never supposed to be this process of Um, if I was really organised and on top of media and stuff like that, I would have queued a song right now and if you're old enough in the room, you would have heard it Um, and it goes, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? I know my mum knows it, so (laughs) she's not going to sing it out loud. That's kind of, you know, um, but that misses the point when it's about getting what we want. So if it's not about asking God for something that we want, but it's actually about us moving towards the will of God, towards an understanding of his wishes, actually the word pros can be translated exchange. So not just toward, but to exchange our will for the will of God. And so when Jesus teaches them to pray, he's saying, why are you asking for all these things? You already have your reward. Why are you asking for all of these things in public? Maybe as if you're going to get something from it or at least some public recognition for your religious... But he's actually saying, here's an opportunity to exchange your way for his... And then says, this is how you should pray. If you want some more evidence for it, you can go and look at all the uh, other words and it's kind of helpful to read it in the Greek because it's where I read out, uh, go into your room and close the door, actually talks about an inner place. Not a bedroom Some, if you've got a Bible in front of you, it might have something else there. It might say a closet. It might say an inner space. But Matthew's Gospel uses this exact word a few times and every other time except for this one, it's talking about the inner person, their character, the place in them that is only known by God. And so when... You read it with that understanding. It says go into your inner self and recognise, close the door, as in shut out all of those things that are telling you what you should want, what you should do, you know. Close the door. Because that's where God can actually do his work. See, if you've ever had a question about prayer, and I know I have, why did I pray and that still happened? Why did I pray for someone and they didn't get well? Why did I pray and that still happened? Why have we been praying for six years and people are still in detention facilities on Manus? And we've been... You know, like, these sort of things... Like, God, where are you in this picture? But it's not about us making God do something for us. It's about allowing God to do something in us. And so with that corrected, he says, this is how you should pray, our Father who is in heaven. Last week, I talked about those two words, our Father. But The beginning of everything we pray for has to recognise that God is as much the God who created and loves me as he is the God who created and loves you. That God loves and desires good for you as much as me and not only that, for you and I as much as the person who's not in here this morning and for them as much as the person who offended me yesterday and for them as much as the person who is doing the things that I'm praying that God would change He's the God who created all of us, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We ask that we would live in a way that means that he would be represented well, that people would see who he is. Your kingdom come, and we've talked about that a bit this morning. What his kingdom looks like, it looks like a place where we would not be divided, where we would be reconciled in a way that means that the people who are at a disadvantage, there would be a restoration. On earth as it is in heaven, this is what God does. Is he, doesn't, he doesn't force things on us. And I don't know, maybe this is something I shouldn't say from the pulpit, but I don't even know if God can enact change outside of us. But I certainly know he can change it what's in us. And so if you've ever asked why God hasn't answered a prayer, I think it's possibly because we forgot what prayer was about. Give us today our daily bread. Not too much, not too little. Because both leads us into temptation. To have too much is a temptation, and to go without means we're tempted to take things into our own hands, and God wouldn't have it that, you know, his desire is not that some would go without while others have ridiculous amounts of wealth and hoard it to themselves. That's not the kingdom that God describes. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven others, because God would desire that none would be tied up in the things that having a debt would mean. In their time, it could mean that you would be sold or someone in your family would be sold into essentially slavery to meet that debt. And that doesn't look like the equality of everyone having enough that God desires. And so therefore he calls us to forgive those things and to be forgiven but he calls us to pray that. See, I still think it's important as a church that we pray for those among us who are sick. I believe that God can do some things that we don't understand. I've seen God do things that I don't and cannot explain. But I also know that a church that's praying for the sick will also call them and visit them. A church that's praying for the needs of those in our world who are going without won't stand by when things are happening that make it worse for them. Actually, it starts to shift things in us. See, I can't pray for those that we send missionaries to and not ask if the products we buy here are causing the problems in the places where we send the missionaries if I pray in a way that lets God change me. And lead us not into temptation, not to be tempted to see ourselves as less or see anyone else as less than deserving of the life that God would have for all of us. That we would all have this life that he promises ...that he calls abundant life. Not excessive. Not all the riches and glory. But enough... ...that we would enjoy life... ...but never to the detriment of another person. And not to the detriment of our earth or our communities. That's the kingdom that we're called to pray for. And that's the kind of prayer that actually makes changes. In some versions, it'll say, for yours is the kingdom, the glory and the power. I've no doubt that when Jesus taught this, he probably, even though it's not recorded in Matthew's gospel, it's recorded in others, that he would have said that sometimes, that this is the prayer. Because sometimes we need to be reminded, for God's is the power, the glory, and the kingdom, not ours. That's why that's in there, not because God needs to be told, but sometimes we need to remember. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me. So we do a few things here at church each week. Um, and It's not just because we like the you know, process or... You yeah. because it's something we've always done because it certainly isn't um, but because we often need to remember, so each week we come and we sing the songs that we sing, because more often than not we need to remember. we need to remember that God deserves our time, our worship, we need to remember that those words that we sing are true of him, we need to remember that we are his children, we're loved by God, so we sing those, we share about God, and we do this thing that you might know as communion, if you're from an Anglican background or another um, kind of church background, you might know it as the Eucharist. This is a reminder each week that we can do this because of the grace of God, because of this person called Jesus that we sing about who lived this life, taught these things, and not only did he live and teach these things, not only did he say, blessed are the meek, but he walked the path of one who refused to take up violence to see his kingdom established, but took up a cross instead. We can come to this table because of who he is, because of the way that he lived, died, and recognising his resurrection that not only told about The fact that he was still alive, but that he came to bring us new life. And we come to this table to remember that that's not only true for us, but it's true for every person that we come to this table with. And our mission is to invite everybody to come to this table. Not to see the good news is that every One is welcome here. Sometimes we feel like we need to invent some kind of good news because we've forgotten what the good news actually is, that there is life in God, that there is a new life because of who he is and that is present and open to every person. And so, when you come forward, if this is new to you, and you take a piece of bread, it represents the body of Jesus broken for us. And so, it's a piece, not a whole, because we share it with everyone who comes to this table. And it represents us as broken pieces who come to be made whole. And you take this piece of bread and dip it in. It's actually grape juice. If you have any concerns, we don't do the alcohol thing. <laughs> we dip it in the representative wine. It represents blood of Jesus. That is His life poured out for us. In uh, In the place and time that Jesus lived, blood represented not just your physical life, but your life force, everything in you. And so we do it that way, recognising that we all receive together. We come forward and receive from another person because it's part of doing participating in this process together and we do it every week because I don't know about you but I can be pretty quick to forget that I'm welcome at the table sometimes stuff goes on in our week and we'd really like to forget that someone else is welcome at that table because if they're welcome at that table it calls us to treat them in a certain way Cause us to make right what's wrong, where we've done wrong. Cause us to a place that is bigger than what we could do in our human strength, but in knowing who Jesus is, that we can come to. So this is the table. Not of the church, but of the Lord is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have a little, you who have been here often and you who are just here for the first time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, you who have failed in following Jesus, you who have just decided to follow Jesus today, come, let nothing empty this table of its power. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and recognize God's family. Leave now if necessary. Go be a forgiver and run back because it is the Lord who invites us. It is God's will that those who desire Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit would encounter him here. So come. So we're just going to close with praying the Lord's Prayer. And then we'll share our benediction, which is one of those things I talked about that helps us to remember each week who we are and who we're going out to be. So if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, pray it in whatever version you know, that's fine. Um, But we're just going to... I'm going to read it from this version so I don't do a combination of about seven different ones that I've learned over the years. Our Father, and you're free to join me, by the way. (laughs) In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Feel free to Uh, Say this with us as well. This is our benediction at Sanctuary. Church, we come as we are, but we are sent out not the same. Sanctuary, he speaks over us a new name to bless and rebuild this city. So we go, broadcast good news for the poor, let the blind see, set free the oppressed, live jubilee, let it be in his liberating grace that pardons and empowers sinners like us to participate in God's kingdom of mercy. And all God's people said, Amen.